Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. All right, Vibrant Church, are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? If you are, come on, let's clap our hands. Love it. I love it. My name is Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors, and we're so thankful that you came to church today. As always, I want to take just a moment, and I I mentioned our online family earlier, but I want to welcome all of our online family, and no matter where you're watching from, who you're watching with, you are part of the Vibrant family. Let's welcome the online family in today. We are in an incredible season here at Vibrant. Uh, We're in the middle of 21 days of prayer. Did anybody enjoy uh, the 21 days of prayer this week? It was so good. Our devotions from our team. And then yesterday, in-person prayer and worship at 9 a.m., Megan delivered an incredible word on fear. Did anybody enjoy that? Megan, an awesome job. Yep. I love it. So I want to encourage you, maybe you didn't jump on the first, you know, first week of 21 days of prayer, like jump on now. There's like start now. Uh, Tomorrow morning, Monday through Friday, we have online devotions from our team at 6 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube, okay? They stream both places. Get involved. It's a good place to start your day um, and, and, you know, just dive into the word and go for it. I know some of our college students said, well, I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. I get it, bro. I get it. Like do it at seven when you get up, whatever. Uh, But uh, so do that. And then next Saturday morning, we're having in-person prayer and worship at 9 a.m. It's just an incredible time. I'm telling you, if you want to have the best fall that you've ever had, go all in on 21 days of prayer. It is just, it's transformative for your your season of life. And it kind of resets some things, right? Because summer, we can all kind of get loosey-goosey with some things and uh, get some disciplines kind of mixed up. And it's good for us to get back into a pattern, into a discipline and uh, of really seeking God every day and making sure that we're uh, we're leading and, and growing spiritually. Amen? And so, and I also want to echo what Cole was saying earlier about our life groups. Uh, life groups are the lifeblood of our church. Uh, our new season is going to be launching in the next few weeks. If you are new to Vibrant and Vibrant's your home, but you haven't really got connected with some people, I encourage you, be a part of a life group. Uh, these things are the lifeblood of our church. In fact, more people go to our life groups than actually come to our church physically, okay? We have a lot of people that come to our life groups that go to other churches, and that's fine with us uh, because life groups just bring so much um, just wealth and relationships, okay? It builds you. It helps develop you. And so uh, we have entrepreneur life groups. We have spiritual gifts life groups. We have a basketball life group. We have a women's life. I'm telling you, there's all type, whatever stage of life you're in, whatever your interests are, I guarantee you we have a life group. And if we don't, I encourage you to start one. Amen? (laughs) So I encourage you to do that. Now, uh, today I'm going to dive in rather quickly. Uh, We're in week three of a series called Under Construction. And, And the whole premise of this series is that when we surrender our lives to Jesus and we allow the Holy Spirit to work on us, and work in us, we end up seeing fruit that grows from us, right? And it's important to understand that this, this entire series is based around this one statement, is that the, the process reveals the promise. The process of the Spirit working in us reveals the promise 
of the fruit of the Spirit um, coming through us and, and from us. And so I, it's about the Spirit winning the war in us. Anybody know that we're in a war today? You're in a war spiritually, right? And, and the flesh losing that war is important. You're in a battle between your flesh and your spirit man. It's important that your flesh loses that war and your spirit man wins the war. And that's why we talk about in 21 days of prayer, um, and you'll see in our graphic, there's an additional of fasting, 21 days of prayer in fasting. And we've had so many people ask us, well, what are, what are we doing as far as fasting? Well, in January, we do kind of a corporate fast where we all do the same thing and we all kind of, you know, uh, we're all doing that together. But in August, uh, you get to do your own fast, however you want to do that. And maybe you're brand new to fasting. You don't know what that looks like and why we do it. Inside of our prayer guide, there's fasting details and, uh, you know, uh, fasting opportunities and, and things like that. It kind of explains it and breaks it down. Reach out to any of our team or just grab a prayer guide. But the whole purpose of fasting is it makes it, it helps you make the flesh man lose, right? Because if I can make the flesh man lose, the spirit man inside of me wins. Okay? And that's the goal here. Uh, that we're gonna begin our semester by leaning into the spirit inside of us, leaning into the spirit man. And so um, let me set up today's fruit. We've been going through different fruit of the spirit. And, and once again, I wanna remind you, these are not things that we do. These are not things that we try to act out, but these are rather things that we identify that God put inside of us. When we identify these, we can develop these. You identify it, then you develop it, okay? And so I want you to understand that, but let me set this up. Some days I get to preach about things that I'm really good at, okay? I love worship. Like, I live to worship. I, I love it. Like, I could just have worship music all the time. Like, give me some, like, give me Kurt Franklin, black gospel music. I am all in 24 hours a day. Like, that is my jam, okay? I'm all in on worshiping God in general, whatever I, that means. For me, it's, you know, I, preaching about giving, preaching about serving. These are things that I enjoy doing. Um, faith, I'm a big faith guy. I, I just, I believe uh, for greater miracles than even that happened when Jesus was here, okay? I believe that is happening in our midst. And so it's up to us to identify these. But to, some days like today, I get the task of preaching something that God is really working on me on, okay? And these are things that I am not coming to you from a, a point of strength, uh, but rather from a point of truth, amen? And so, uh, and patience in, is one of those, all right? Patience is one of, is anybody else on the patience struggle bus with me? All right, the patient struggle bus, okay? The rest of y'all are lying, so we'll pray, I'll pray for it. No, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, the patient's struggle bus. Uh, let me tell you, the annual cost of people running red lights in the United States yearly, somebody, somebody really identified with that over on this side of the room. I hadn't even got to the point yet. Just hang on, hang on, Kendall. Uh, the annual cost of running a red light in our nation, total is $7 billion. Billion dollars, right? The average amount of time saved by running a red light is only 50 seconds. <laughs> How much money would that have 50 seconds, that 50 seconds had saved you if you had a little patience? You know, I've often heard it said that the most dangerous prayer somebody can pray is a prayer for patience. The most dangerous prayer you can pray, especially those, those of you, the kids, uh, you understand that, you know where that's at. But whether you're reluctant to pray for patience or you want patience like right now, <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're not likely to develop that fruit until you have a change of heart. 
until God does something inside of you, what you really need is a better understanding of what patience is and how it works in our lives. And so the Bible uses four different Greek words that are translated in various ways for patience. And so uh, each of these words emphasizes one aspect or one face of, of patience. And, and so what we think of as patience. And so, but for me, I took Greek in college and it's still Greek to me. And uh, so <laughs> it probably is to you. So today we're going to look at one individual face of patience. And, and that particular face is the word that Paul used when describing this fruit of the spirit. Okay. And so Paul said that the fruit of the spirit is, he, he was saying that patience but this, this word that he was using was macrothymia. Can you say that with me? Say macrothymia. This is a compound Greek word uh, made up of two words. And so the first word is macro, which it means long, okay? It means long. And then thymia, which means anger. So literally the patience that Paul was preaching about with and writing about in, in Galatians and the fruit of the spirit was saying that a fruit of the spirit means it's patience, it's that macrothymia means long to anger as opposed to oxythymia, which means sudden anger. Now we all know people that have a short fuse. Don't point at anybody right now. Uh, now's that, that time. Uh, but they're quick tempered people. They're easily angered. You know what I'm talking about? And let's be honest, I've found oxythymia like sudden anger uh, looking back at me in the mirror from time to time. And my fuse sometimes has been cut short. Am I the only one? Any truthful people in this house? Amen. Um, and so, especially in certain situations, like impatient people, all impatient people have a tick, like a nervous tick or an impatient tick. Like my pastors, uh, his, he's, uh, Pastor Nathan, I, I love him. He's bald. Uh, but he, he, his nervous tick, his impatient tick is he starts rubbing that head. You know what I'm talking about. He starts rubbing that head. If he starts doing this right here, you know he's impatient. Like, it, wrap it up. It's time to go. And so uh, for me, mine is like I start tapping my leg uncontrollably like I'm a jackrabbit or something. I don't know what it is. I can't control it. Like this, this nervous tick, I'm just like starts doing this right here. I'm ready. I, I, it's like I'm nervous. I'm impatient. And so, you know, it, the truth is, is that we all need this fruit of the Spirit this macrothymia to grow in us and sprout from us, okay? For us to live a healthy spiritual life, to have a long fuse and to be slow to anger, to be slow to anger. Patience is the prolonged control of anger or restrained wrath. And I want you to get that on purpose here because restrained wrath will become weakened wrath over time. That means if you can restrain it, you can defeat it. You don't have to be angry because your dad was angry. You don't have to be angry because of the circumstances of your life. You don't have to live a life of anger because of all the things around you because you can restrain your anger to defeat your anger, all right? Restrained anger weakens over time. And so I, really where I wanna go today is Matthew 18, and we're gonna read an entire um, kind of grouping of scriptures here, but stay with me. Uh, we're going to dive into this in, in chapter 18, verse 21, if our media team will help us here. So at that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven. Boy, please. <laughs> Try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servant. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. That's a big miracle. 
He couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man, along with his wife, his children, and goods, to be auctioned off as at a slave market. The poor wretch threw himself before the king's feet and begged, give me a chance. Be patient with me, right? Give me a chance. I'll pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him 10 bucks, $10. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. The poor wretch threw, him down, threw himself down and begged, give me a chance. Be patient with me. Once again, same wordage. I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw what was going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. I was always told snitches get stitches. Um, (laughs) Verse 32, the king summoned the man and said, you evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back the entire debt. What that means is he shackled him, shackled him to a wall. And so that is exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. Woo, that's strong. Strong, right? Here's where I'm wanting to go from here. The responsibility of the servant to forgive was not dependent on ordinary human emotion and feelings. It wasn't because he felt like it that he should do it. Because if you operate off your feelings, you will always end up in a place of despair, right? And so uh, the servant was not expected to show mercy because he's relieved and overjoyed that his debt has been canceled. Instead, the responsibility to be merciful was directly linked to the attitude shown to him by his master, right? Because the king was patient with the servant The servant should follow the example and the lifestyle of the king. The lifestyle of the king. In other words, the servant should be patient with his fellow servants, whether he feels like it or not, simply because the master has been patient with him. Anybody, God's been patient with you today. I don't know about you, but the Lord could have zapped me many, many times in my life, and he would have been okay. Like, I'd have been okay, God. You're right. You're right. Like, that's okay. God could have zapped me, but... God was patient. He's patient with me. He's been patient with you. We serve a master who has been patient with us, right? In an opportunity where we had a debt, a large debt that needed to be paid, we serve a God that has been patient. God has been patient with us. His anger and wrath has been restrained. He's not treated us as we deserve to be treated for our sin, but because God is patient with us, he expects us to be patient with each other. This is why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live like Jesus. It's literally the characteristics or the spiritual building blocks of Jesus living inside of us. That's what macrothymia is. It's this long to anger, just long to anger, this patience. It's extending the fuse, extending the fuse. You know, as I was thinking about this this week, Every fruit that I know has a protective skin on or a protective outer layer on that fruit. And it's called the skin, right? And and so we peel a banana or an orange to eat the fruit inside. I don't know anybody that takes an orange and just takes a bite out of the side of it, right? Anybody, if you do, 
You're not supposed to do it that way. I don't know if you know that, but now you know. I'm trying to help you. But that's not the way you do it. Like you, you, you unwrap that orange and, and then inside, you, you know, you, you take that fruit and you can eat a piece of juicy orange. Other fruits like an apple or a grape, we eat the skin and all, uh, unless you're my kids and you want me to peel it for them all the time. Praise God for that. Y'all pray for me. Um, but uh, the outer layer serves as an important purpose. An important purpose, it helps keep the moisture inside the fruit. That skin helps keep the moisture inside the fruit, even in dry seasons. Isn't it amazing that you could go to, you could go get an orange directly off the tree in the middle of a dry season, it's 100 degrees outside, it's incredibly hot, it's incredibly humid, but praise God, fall is coming, amen. Uh, but, <laughs> and so, uh, but it's amazing you can go take a piece of, uh, you could take an orange and in a dry season, even in a drought, and you can cut that orange and there is moisture that, 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 that fruit is, is, is moist, right? That fruit is juicy. It's a juicy piece of orange. Why? The reason that happens is because the skin, the outer layer, protects it. It has an important purpose. It keeps the moisture inside the fruit in dry seasons. The outer peel will also protect the fruit and allow it to grow. It'll allow it to grow. So if the outer peel or, of the skin is broken or it's removed, then the fruit will rot. The fruit will become bitter. It will spoil. The fruit will spoil. See, patience is like that for the soul of man. Patience is the skin that's around it. It protects our hearts from becoming rancid, bitter, to, and, and rotten to the core. See, the truth is that we live in a world that is full of anger, that is quick to anger, it is that oxythymia that is quick, has short fuse, ready to go all in on anger, anger and bitterness. And what happens is when we live for anger, our fruit spoils. We end up living out bitterness. And when people experience the fruit of our lives and the fruit of our hearts, they experience bitterness. Nobody likes a bitter piece of fruit. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. But this skin is patience. It protects the, it protects the, the fruit. Uh, it, the, it protects us from anger. God wants our life to be sweet and appealing to others. And that's the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit is to give our lives the, the aroma and the taste of Jesus. Patience is the skin that protects the fruit. Now, the practical practice of patience, it restores and it, and it revitalizes and protects relationships. Godly patience enables us to show mercy instead of hate. We're living in a world that is full of hate. Everywhere, your first response to anybody doing you wrong is hate. But in the true, the true response of a Christian should be to, to forgive rather than to seek revenge, to have patience rather than anger. Uh, patience is the ability to put up with people you'd really like to put down. Amen? Proverbs 14, 29, a patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. Another, uh, another translation says displays foolishness, foolishness. I want to make this practical for you. I know a lot of people, what the natural inclination would be, God, I, I want to go home and I'm going to pray for patience. I want to tell you not to pray for patience. In fact, that's the last thing that you should pray for if you want patience. Now, I know that makes no sense to you, but let me explain it. In the word of God, 
In Proverbs, we find many times that the two things that were declared as more valuable than silver and gold are wisdom and understanding. That if you want patience, you should pray for wisdom and understanding. And let me break this down and kind of make it practical for you. Wisdom and understanding are different because they play different roles in your life. Wisdom is something that you pray for for yourself. Okay, God, give me wisdom to make the next right step. Right, whatever my next, whatever the next step is, God, give me the wisdom to make the, re- the right next step. If you're exploring a job change or you're getting married or you're going to college, you're doing anything in your life, really, I- I'm praying for wisdom. I want wisdom. That's a prayer that I pray every day when I get up. God, give me wisdom for every meeting that I'm gonna have today. God, give me wisdom to make the right next step to say the right thing, okay? Now, understanding is the opposite. It's for you to understand where everybody else has been at. So I understand the shoes that they're in. I understand that the the walk that they're walking. So it helps me to make right decisions. So wisdom is for me to make the right next step. Understanding is for me to see you and understand what God is doing in your life because you may have not come from the same background as me, right? So like for wisdom, let me give you a real life example. Let's make it practical. You pray... uh, in your family here, okay, in your family, it's easiest to be least patient with the people that you love the most, right? It's easiest to be least patient. This is the area that you need to pray that God develops your patience. But once again, when you pray, I want you to pray for wisdom and understanding within that because wisdom and understanding are the building blocks of patience. Without that, you don't have a foundation for patience to stand on, right? That's why some of y'all been praying for patience and God been sending all these things for you to experience wisdom and understanding. You're like, what the, I don't understand God, right? You just, I don't understand what's going on. So the reason why is we're not praying for the right things here. We wanna pray for wisdom and understanding, especially the first thing you can do is pray that within your family. Uh, Let me give you an example. Husbands, how many of you know that you can say the wrong thing at the wrong time and it will mess some things up? I expect some dudes to say amen right now. Amen. You better pray that God gives you the wisdom to say the right thing at the right time to your wife. When, yeah, I mean, I, my, my wife's not in here right now. I don't, I don't think she's somewhere so I can say whatever I want. It's free. Uh, so, uh, but there are some, I'm just kidding. She's in the back. I love you, baby. <laughs> See, the lights almost gave me out right there. <clears throat> But there are some things that you pray for wisdom on how to say, on how to do, on how do I live, how do I lead my kids, how do I lead my family. I pray for wisdom every day, but then you also pray for understanding because how many of you know you have some kids that you don't understand? How many of y'all know y'all got some teenagers that y'all don't understand? I'm gonna take a drink of water and let y'all kind of think about that. For a minute, I mean, but... You pray for understanding because you may not understand where they're at, what they're going through, but you're praying for wisdom that the God would, would give you the, the wisdom to lead them, but also the understanding to walk where they're walking. Once you combine that together, you build up patience within yourself because instead of just making decisions out of wrath, well, you're grounded for 47 years right now. The rest of your life, you're never getting married. Hope you didn't want to because you're grounded. That's it. Instead of doing that, we make decisions out of wisdom and understanding. Why don't you tell me why you did this? What was going through your mind? We make this practical because the people that we love the most inside of our house are the people that we can be the least patient with most of the time, right? Because they're always gonna be there, right? We just assume, they're always, uh, I don't have to be patient. I'm gonna go home with them. 
Now, we got, we got to be patient with these people. Well, what about outside our family? It's easiest to be apathetic to people outside of our family. Oh, well, they were like that. I just don't even care. I just, and we treat relationships like they're the wrapper on your Taco Bell. And you just throw it in the trash and you treat a relationship that way. And you don't develop patience because you don't flex that spiritual muscle outside your home. What if you developed wisdom and understanding with the people that you worked with? God, give me wisdom when I go into this meeting. God, give me wisdom when I have this tough conversation with my boss. Give me wisdom when I'm dealing with kids at school, teachers, we're praying for you. God, give me wisdom when I'm dealing with clients. Give me wisdom. God, give... I pray that you would give me understanding to see where they're at and what's going on in their world so I can treat them the way you would treat them. When we begin to, to pray these type prayers, God develops the fruit of patience within us. If you wanna see patience, get wisdom and understanding. Practically, I wanna encourage you one thing before we move on, is that when you, I, I want you, I wanna encourage you to tick off your tick, okay? And what that means is, Probably once you start thinking about this, you're gonna identify whatever your, your impatient tick is. I want you to identify that and work on it because sometimes a physical adjustment can, and your posture can change everything. It can change everything, amen? And so uh, Bishop James Carney said this. He said, patience is a virtue that carries a lot of weight. Weight, W-A-I-T, weight. See, it's this process of being under construction that reveals the promise of the fruit of the Spirit. We can diagnose our own spiritual health this way. And so these, these are not things that we try to do once again, but these are fruits that naturally grow in us when we lean into the Spirit. And so we talked about patience, but now let's go, let's, let's move to kindness. Let's move to kindness. Kindness, Tim Keller said, kindness is an ability to serve others practically in a way that makes me vulnerable, which comes from having a deep inner security. It's opposite to envy, which leaves me unable to rejoice in others' joy. And its fake alternative is manipulative good deeds, doing good for others so I can congratulate myself and feel I'm good enough for others and for God. There are three points about kindness that I wanna make to you today as we dive in. Number one, when we are kind... We're being imitators of God because God is kind. God is kind. We're being imitators. Um, I, I, I love my family. Uh, we have two amazing young boys. I've got Ethan, who is six years old. I have Miles, who is two years old. And my wife is going to give birth to a healthy baby boy named Nolan in less than a month. Praise God. We're going to play some zone defense and be good at it. Amen. And uh, But... My boys, uh, you know, Miles is getting old enough now where he sees his brother as a leader. And so Ethan is six years old and, and we're to the point now where Miles copies, he, he loves his big brother and he copies whatever his big brother does, right? And so sometimes that's a very good thing, whether you're putting up plates in the dishwasher or, you know, all, all of the things. And that's, that's a very good thing. But some things, maybe not so much. Um, a few weeks ago, um, my oldest, Ethan, decided that he wanted to act like a puppy dog for just a little bit. Like for a little moment of his life, he decided he wanted to act like a puppy dog. So we're at home, and all of a sudden, I come around the corner, and my six-year-old child is on all fours barking and has his tongue out of his mouth like he is a crazy person. 
And I'm like, right, you didn't have to do that. I will get you a dog. Like, we will get a dog. Like, I, I, we could do that. But so it was just a moment. And, and Ethan was like, okay, I'm over it. And, and he was over it. But Miles, not the case. Miles emulated his brother, and that has become a lifestyle. And so if you see my two-year-old son running around the church on all fours, barking and licking random things, don't judge me. Don't, don't, don't judge me. Um, I, I'm working on it. Y'all can help me, okay? Um, and so, uh, but yeah. So but the thing I want you to get here is that we're emulating God in kindness. And, and so read this with me, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love your enemies. I could stop right there. I could stop. But I'll keep going. And do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Here's the point I wanna get to you is that Ethan was originally just doing the dog thing for a moment. For miles, it's become a lifestyle. I don't know how long that'll be. But when we emulate God in kindness, it should be a lifestyle that we live out. It's an every day thing that kindness becomes naturally my first inclination. It's not something that I try to do. It's something that naturally emanates beyond me because I can't help it because I'm leaning into the kindness of God that he's already given me. Amen. When I lean into the kindness of God, I can't help but do good to my enemies. When I lean into the kindness of God, I can't help but be kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Even the person that you disagree with. Amen. Number two, kindness, the kindness that the Spirit produces in us overcomes all anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Now, notice here, I want you to notice, I'm not talking about kindness on defense, that somebody attacks you and it, you have to think about it and you, it's like a kindness button and you hit it and kindness comes. But I'm talking about kindness as offense, like you wake up every day and decide to be kind. Let me just be honest with you today. We're living in a world that's trying to separate us out by whether it's race or a grouping or socioeconomic status. And I just gotta tell you as a pastor, it is the thing that bothers me absolutely the most because I have decided as a man and as a Christian, as a pastor, when I wake up every day, I'm going to let the kindness that is in me go on offense. I don't care what background you came from. I don't care what your parents look like. I don't care what your daddy said about you. The kindness of God naturally leans me to say, I believe greater for you. I believe better for you. And I'm gonna believe in people when they don't believe in their self because the kindness of God goes on offense and says, who can I reach with kindness? Who can I love with kindness? Come on, that's good. I wish you'd clap your hands if you believe that today. Ephesians 4 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Another translation says to cast it away like you're skipping a rock along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I'm gonna go on offense because God went on offense for me. When he could have let me die in my sin, he sent his son to die for me. He went on offense so I can't help but go on offense with the kindness of God. Would you stand with me across the room today? My third point 
is this. Kindness is active. It's something we must pursue. You know, I'll tell you, I feel better about my life when, I, when I'm active, right? When I get up in the morning and my gym is close by, so I run from my house to my gym and I get a workout in, then I get my protein smoothie and I come. I feel better about my life when I do that, okay? I feel better about it. But when I don't, when I decide I'm gonna sleep in a little bit, kind of slide in the office, maybe get some Chick-fil-A on the way, come on. Don't judge me, don't judge me. But then I eat that Chick-fil-A and I don't feel as good about myself as when I did. I don't feel as energetic or as, as mentally focused as, as I do when I work out and I'm active. There's something about kindness being active in your life. Proverbs 21 and 21, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Check this out. It puts kindness up there with righteousness. Kindness is on the same level as righteousness. On the same level. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in Louisiana, which is a great place to be. Um, It's just the bug capital of the world. Um, (laughs) It is the bug capital of the world. But um, it would be my job when we got gas, while my dad pumped gas, it was my job to clean the front windshield um, of all the bugs that were on it. And if you haven't noticed, um, I'm a little vertically challenged And so uh, shout out to the short people in the room, amen. Um, But so my dad, knowing this when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, he installed, no joke, he installed a little front step on the front of our car. And and so I could step up on that and clean the windshield, Uh, (laughs) true story. And so I would step up on this and I would clean the windshield. And you know, there was something satisfying about it, right? I would scrub the bugs. And with every wipe of the little squeegee thing, there would be something, all the bugs would be gone and be something clean. I would scrub it and a white, and with each line, I would see a clean new windshield would appear and suddenly things would be clear. We'd get into the car and it looked like a brand new car because you could see through the windshield, you could see through it. You know, when we allow kindness to be activated in us, number one, the number one thing it does for you is it clears away the mud of life. When you declare, when you make sure that kindness every day when you wake up is active in you, kindness is active, I'm gonna live this out. Okay? It clears away some of the mud. Let me give you an example. You'll find it harder to be a gossiper if you're focused on spreading kindness. You'll find it easier to serve people where they're at when kindness naturally exudes from your spirit. You'll find it easier to step into your God-given design and pursue deep faith when, when, when you make sure that kindness is something that you're emanating every day. Then the number two thing that it does is it gives us fresh vision. So all of the mud is cleared off of our windshield and now we can see clearly because kindness has been put at the forefront. You know, every successful leader that I've ever met has been a kind person. God gives revelation to kindness. You know, I, in my study this week, I was studying and, and I, I found a website, came across a website and it's actually pretty cool. I want you to check it out sometime if you want to, but um, it's called randomactsofkindness.org. And essentially what it is, is you go on there and people tell their stories of random acts of kindness that they've either experienced or they've done themselves. And a few of them actually jumped out to me. This is Allison's story. She said, when I was born, I weighed one pound and 10 ounces. So I've been fighting all my life. I'm 24 now and I've lost a lot of wonderful people in my life. So in response, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 15. Now I live for spreading kindness in the world by sending letters and cards to random people 
and blessing to brighten their day. It's incredible. There was another story said at 11 years old, I became the target of bullying for the first time. This experience came with long lasting effects that I hope no one ever has experienced firsthand. After confiding and trusting adults, a door opened to a world of kindness of every single adult seeking to help in the best way possible. From then on, I vowed to always become irrationally, intentionally kind. And every one of my actions prompted me to be a activist and start my podcast called the Choose Kindness Podcast, where I interview guests and educate all generations on the effects of bullying and why too, they too should be choosing kindness forever and always. Incredible, one act of kindness, changing people. Then this, this story jumped out to me here. It was a beautiful 4th of July weekend. My fiance requested some food for a family cookout. So as I ran to the local market to grab some, I thought for myself to myself, let's make this special. I grabbed a fancy homemade pie, some Cool Whip and pasta salad and some new brats to try. And as I headed to the checkout lane, I noticed a, a nice short lane with somebody finished, almost finished checking out. There was a man there with his teenage and preteen son. The older boy was bagging some groceries and telling the younger boy about putting eggs and bread together. And it seemed like to be a, a sweet family moment. The dad, I'm assuming, starts counting out the cash for the groceries and, and hands, the grocery, or hands the cashier a card as well. She swipes the card and then looks at him and says, this card doesn't have anything on it. The man looks sick and says under his breath, I knew better than to trust him. He, he asked the cashier to take off some of the frozen pizzas. He checks the amount. Then he takes off some of the bag cereal and he checks the amount again. And finally, he looks at the younger boy and he says, sorry, bud, we're gonna have to wait on the chocolate milk. My heart's in my throat. Here I am with a handful of food that I was buying just because I craved it. I had lots of food at home. I don't, I don't have cash to offer and I don't wanna embarrass them by appearing impatient. So I carefully start examining random candy bars and magazines in the checkout aisle. The family finally checks out and they were, they were quickly leaving with embarrassment. They almost didn't even grab their change. I, I rushed forward and asked the cashier to ring their items up on their order. She knew exactly what to do and scrambled to get it done as quickly as possible. She called over the young bagger and practically threw the food to him as she barked, go find that family that was just here. The teen caught the bag, grabbed the chocolate milk and rushed out. I finished checking out, making some small talk to stall about the weather. As I left, I saw the bag boy turn delivery boy and I asked, did you find them? He smiled boldly and he says, I did. They said, thank you very much. I smiled and I left. As I looked out across the parking lot, I see the boy in the back seat of his car holding this gallon of chocolate milk in his lap. See guys, it wasn't just about the chocolate milk. It was about the kindness that changed the boy's life. It's not about the chocolate milk, it's about the kindness that could change a generation. What effect could your act of kindness have? Together we could change the world with the fruit God has already put in us, but we've got to activate and pursue it. I love days like today. And we've got something special that we're gonna do. And it's gonna be more of a this is gonna be an activation message, okay? An activation message. What we're gonna do is, and, and I'm glad to have them here, is 
Good to see my buddy Jeff here. He's the owner of Hebrews Coffee Shop here uh, locally. And uh, anybody been to Hebrews? You love Hebrews? Anybody? And I believe he's got some of his team here as well. And that's, that's awesome. I love it. But what we're going to do is we partnered with Jeff. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to give every person that is in this room a $5 gift card to Hebrews Coffee Shop. Five dollars. Now, here's the thing. I know some of y'all, like, I see it right now. You're just so excited. All right? That coffee, that card's not for you. That card's not for you. Here's what I want you to do with that card is you're gonna be handed, when you walk out of this room with our ushers, you're gonna be handed a, a card for Hebrews Coffee Shop, but also a, a God Loves You card. And it's a card from Viber that does not invite them to church intentionally. It just says a, a little something extra to let you know God loves you. It's a card of kindness. You're gonna take a gift card and a card of kindness. And what I want you to do is I want you to put that in your pocket. And at some point this week, I want you to pray that the Lord would reveal somebody for you to be kind and a random act of kindness to. And I want you to walk up to them and I want you to hand this to them and say, hey, this is for you, have a great day. Now, some of them, they may be like, oh, I don't know, I don't want this, just walk away. Just, just give it to them and walk away. They'll figure it out, I promise. They'll figure it out, okay? A random act of kindness. Here's the thing. I know personal stories of random act of kindness just like this, where a God loves you card was attached to a coffee card and it literally saved somebody from com committing suicide. Literally, I know the exact person this happened to. For some of you, your random act of kindness could same, save somebody's soul. It could lead them to Jesus. Your random act of kindness, it may not be a big deal for you, but you activating this gift inside of you could literally change the direction and the capacity of their life. It could lead them into a destiny that maybe they could start a podcast talking about kindness. They could be leading somebody else. They could, it could save them from, you may be saving a missionary from suicide. You may be saving the next Billy Graham from suicide. You may be saving the next Billy Graham from walking away from the Lord. But all it begins with you activating the gift of kindness and handing them a coffee card and say, hey, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Now, earlier we sang the song Waymaker and I believe God is a waymaker, but I believe that he made a way for us to empower us to make a way for others. He's a, he made a way for us to empower us to make a way for others. Here's the thing, we're gonna sing in a moment, but what I want us to do is lift both hands as high as we can get them in the air. And our prayer team is gonna come. And what I want us to do is pray a prayer of surrender. Today, if, if you've got something going on in your life, you need healing, you need a touch from God. Some of you just need confidence that only comes from the Lord. You need something powerful. I want you to pray that God would activate that inside of you, that God would begin to work on your heart, that you would activate that kindness in you. Our prayer team is gonna come, and if you want them to pray with you, they will pray across the front here. We'll pray, and we're gonna begin to believe in a God that is a way maker. In Jesus' name, come on.